0: First John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But if you have an anointing from the Holy One. I'm sorry. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you. Because you do not know the truth. But because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist. Who denies the father and the son. And whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us to lead us and to guide us into all truth. To call to remembrance all that you have taught us. All that you have shown us. All that you revealed to us in your word. Thank you for bringing illumination. Lord, light our path today and show us your truth. And set us free from the lies all around us that ensnare us, that hinder us. Father, help us to be people of the truth, who walk in the truth, who tell the truth, who are not afraid of the truth or of speaking the truth. Give us boldness, fill us with your spirit that we may do just that. Speak your word, your truth with boldness. Father, we ask this, that you would be glorified in your church. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. Little children, it is the last hour. There is that term of endearment again that John is using with the believers here. And he makes this statement, little children, it is the last hour. That phrase, last hour, evokes for many in our day thoughts and images of the end of the world. Now I'm not saying that's not, I'm not saying that that uh, is not incorrect or that is incorrect. I'm not saying that, that he's not referring to the end of the world. He could be. But it also may be correct to understand this phrase, last hour, could be referring to more immediate circumstances experienced by the church in John's day and beyond. It could be referring to both. But he's saying to these little children, it is the last hour. It meant something to them in that day 2,000 years ago from Robertson's word, pictures. It is the last hour. This phrase here is in the New Testament. Uh, Here in the New Testament, though John often uses this word translated hour, he uses it often for a crisis. Actually, in the original Greek, the article is not there. In other words, it is last hour, not the, the the is there for us in English to understand better. But this is not necessarily talking about a specific hour. It is, at the very least, talking about the character of the hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? He He may not be talking about a specific time, the last hour. He's talking about the character of the time that he's living in. And he uses this, John, especially several times in his gospel also. From Vincent's word studies, the phrase is only here in the New Testament. And the dominant sense of the expression last days, last hours, last times in the New Testament is that of a period of suffering and struggle preceding a divine victory. Think about the cross. Think about the darkness of that hour. Think about the last hours of Jesus' physical life and ministry at the cross. And the darkness, so dark that even the sun stopped shining. But that last hour was preceding the greatest, the greatest victory ever achieved. But it didn't look like a victory in that moment. So John could be speaking of the coming of the Lord, what we would say the end of the world, but it's not really the end of the world, right? It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a wonderful world. He could be talking about that. But he also could be referring to something else. So it's not clear here what he definitely is communicating. There is doubt about what the last hour actually is referring to. What it actually covers. But that doesn't. Change the reality of what John is trying to communicate and what we should take from what he's saying here. So if this is not referring to the end of the world, it is for sure referring to a crisis in advance of Christ's kingdom. And if you go back and you look at history, this is exactly what we see. As John is writing this, the persecution that Rome brought to the church for three centuries has not yet begun in earnest. Up until this point, depending on whether you believe John, 1 John was written early or late, the primary persecutors of the church were the Jews. It was the Jews who persecuted the church. But... As Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, Jesus knew that Rome would come and Rome would lay the city bare, destroy the temple, and he warned. And it's in all the Gospels. He warned of that in the Synoptic Gospels. And John would have known of that warning, and John knew by the Spirit what was coming. That it was the last hour, the last days, referring to this period preceding a crisis in the advance of Christ's kingdom. Jesus said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So we are here to advance the kingdom of God. And we should understand that we will face opposition. And this is what John is warning the believers of here. There was true a last hour that was upon them. This would certainly hold true, as I said, with history as persecution of the church by the Rome and by the pagan world, began and lasted for almost 300 years. It was Constantine who finally outlawed persecution of Christianity. And he gets a bad rap. But it was Constantine who said, no more. In fact, not only are we not going to persecute Christians anymore, we're going to encourage everyone to become a Christian. He gets a bad rap for that today, too. Only by people who don't understand what the gospel has given them in the last 2,000 years. This phrase, last days, last hours, last times, is used to describe not only the coming times of trouble, but the very times in which the writers of the New Testament were living. This is used in Romans 13, 11. I'm not going to read them for the sake of time. But you can write these down. Romans 13, 11, 1 Timothy 4, 1, Hebrews 1, 2, 1 Peter 4, 7. All of these refer to the last times, last hours, last days. It is not impossible that the writers of the New Testament were anticipating the end of the world. But I think it's much more probable they were anticipating the fulfillment of Jesus' forewarning of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple... And the end of the Jewish aeon, the Jewish age, the Jewish world. And you understand when that destruction happened in 70 AD, and that was not the last one. If you you read history in 70 AD and the Romans came and they tore the temple down. But there was another uprising in 132 to 135 AD by a guy named, my history students, where are they? Where's Ephraim? What's his name, Ephraim? Bar... Bar Kokhba. Yes, and what did he make his followers do to show allegiance? Cut off their pinky. And he was proclaimed to be the Christ, the Messiah. He raised an army of over 350,000 men and defeated the Romans in a way that... in Rome sent all of their resources... To put down this uprising and in 135 AD the Emperor Hadrian says this is not going to happen again we've tried to be kind and work with you guys and he went in and he laid waste the city of Jerusalem everything that was left and there wasn't much left of the temple because it was taken apart literally stone by stone in 70 AD And he laid bare everything and he built a brand new city on top of what was Jerusalem and called it, named it after himself. And that, from that point, the Jews were not brought back to that land until 1948. It was truly indeed the last hour, the last days, the last time for the Jewish world and the Jewish people. And from that time, since 70 A.D., they've never been able to keep the law as God commanded because they don't have a temple to sacrifice in. So, this phrase, last hour. And John is warning, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that My new King James says, The Antichrist, your ESV and other translations will just say, And you have heard that Antichrist is coming. The article is in some manuscripts, it's not in others. And even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. The word Antichrist can mean one who stands against Christ, or it can mean one who stands in place of, instead of, Christ. Christ Jesus predicted that both would come, those who oppose him and those who pretend to be him. In verse 18, this warning is that Antichrist is coming, and many have already come. So John clearly indicates in verse 18 that even now, in his own time, many opposed Christ. Many antichrists have already come. And John instructs these believers that those many antichrists indicate it is the last hour. So Jesus warned of this. It's in Matthew chapter 24 verse 5. Jesus said, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. In Matthew 24 11, Jesus said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And who is Jesus talking to? This generation will not pass away until all these things come to pass. And I believe it was the generation, the disciples Jesus was talking to because all of those things actually did come to pass exactly the way Jesus laid them out. If they did not, that would make Jesus a false prophet. And there are some people who are still waiting for Jesus' prophecy to be fully fulfilled. But I submit to you today that Jesus was not a false prophet and that that prophecy has been absolutely fulfilled already and it was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when that temple was literally torn apart stone by stone. John mentions Antichrist again in his second letter, 2 John verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. John describes these many deceivers as an antichrist. There are still today, at this very moment, many antichrists. Many deceivers who oppose Christ. They're all around us, and they're in the church. They profess to be believers. There's pastors who are antichrists. They're opposing Christ. They're opposed to the truth as it is in Christ. Don't buy the hype of all of this end of the world stuff while the church is looking for the antichrist, the man that's going to come. Do you realize many antichrists are all around us tearing down the things we should be building up? And the enemy has distracted us looking for the Antichrist while there are many and have been many all around us bringing real spiritual destruction to people's lives and to the church. They are an Antichrist by teaching false doctrines that oppose who the Lord Jesus Christ is in truth as he is and who he is as presented in the scripture. So antichrists may be among us, but they are not of us. There will continue to be many antichrists until Jesus comes again to put away all who are his enemies. So until Jesus comes and puts away all his enemies, there will always be people who oppose Jesus, who stand in the place of Jesus. The church is called to proclaim and teach and live the truth and so expose those who are antichrist for who they are, opposers of Christ and opposers of his truth. That's exactly why on June 26th we went downtown to stand for truth in the opposition of people who says, we love Jesus just like you do, except they're not living according to his word and they're actually calling evil good and good evil. This is why we're going to go to the public square on August 8th and cry out to God that he will grant us repentance because the church should be salt and light in the world. It's what Jesus commands us to be. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So today we have many antichrists still. And they're inside the church as well as outside the church. And wherever they may be, even if they are among us, they are not of us, John writes. In fact, he says they went out from us, but they were not of us. So when John writes, they went out from us, but were not of us, this could mean these antichrists went out as though they were of us, but but they were not. It, It could be a physical going out, and I do believe it was. It could be that they went out just like the apostles did, purveyors of truth, but yet they were peddlers of a lie. But John is saying... When we read this in its context, not just that. He's saying these people were with us. They were in our number, but they have gone out from us because they were not of us. They went out deceiving, pretending to be of the truth, but in reality they are antichrist, he says. They went out from us because they were not of us. Because they are antichrist, because they are not of us, they went out. Why? Because the preaching and the teaching of sound doctrine, and this is why it's so important for pastors to actually preach the Bible, to actually preach through the Bible. Because when you preach through the Word of God, I'm not giving you, now I can give you my opinion. I just gave you what I believe the last days refers to, and you may have a disagreement. You might say, no, I believe it refers to the end of the world. Okay, that's fine but we're coming from the scripture and we're saying let's talk about this let's reason together let's 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 see what the scripture let's break down the word of god let's break open the word of god let's rightly divide the word of god but let's not just have messages based on opinions and fun stories and and so we can all you know have our best life yet I love what Votie Bauckham said. Did you see the meme from Votie? Votie says, if you are living your best life yet, then you're going to hell. (laughs) Because if this is the best life you're going to have, then you are doomed to go to hell. Because this is not our best life. Because we're still living in a world under the curse. Our best life is yet to come when Jesus conquers every enemy and puts the last one death underfoot that's when we'll have our best life yet. Not, not here, not now, but it's coming. Trust me, it's coming. So it could mean that these went out because, and I do believe this, because through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel, of sound doctrine, the making of disciples to follow Jesus in truth and to live for his glory, it created an environment that will eventually expose those who are antichrist. And they will not be able to thrive and to stay in that environment. They will go out one way or the other by by choice, or they will be asked to go out because they are living and preaching a lie. And they are contrary to who Jesus is. We're talking about false teachers here. This is why I had the Mormon bishop ask me if he could come to my church and preach. I actually went to another church. I was invited by another pastor years ago when they first came here, and he allowed the Mormon bishop to get up in his pulpit and preach. And I'm like, hmm. he said, uh, could, we, could we arrange a time for me to come to your church? I said, no, nope, can't do it. <laughs> well, why not? I said, because you're not a Christian. Now, he, we sat and we had coffee. We had, a, we had breakfast. We had a meal together. He gave me two books he wrote that were to convince me of why Mormons are actually Christians. And I said, no. And finally, he said, I respect your opinion. He said, there's a lot of people who believe what you believe. He said, I just happen to disagree. I said, you're right to disagree. I said, but you are not a Christian. You don't worship the same Jesus. You don't have the same Father. You might have the same Bible, but you have another Testament that you add to it. And I said, it's not the same. And I said, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I allowed you to come and stand in my pulpit and make my people believe that you're just like me, you're just a different denomination. No. And so when we preach and teach the Scripture, the Bible, the Gospel, we create an environment where Antichrist can't thrive, he can't survive. So he's going to leave. And this is what John is saying. They left because they were not of us. He goes on there and he talks about uh, the importance of, of preaching and teaching the Word of God, of creating this environment where the truth uh, is actually promoted. Such a gospel-saturated environment is not conducive to lies and the lie and the false doctrine and the opposition to who Christ is. They will go out from that place. So this phrase, they would have continued with us, is not just a physical continuing in fellowship with the believers, but a continuing in the true doctrine and the true fellowship of Christ. The fact that they did not continue in fellowship with the saints indicates they did not continue in the fellowship or the doctrine of the truth. And then he goes on in the last part of this verse, and he says, But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said there must be divisions among you. He's saying, listen, some of you are believing false doctrine. some of you are false teachers, and there better be a division here. There better be an ability to discern between the lie and the truth. This was my point in talking with the children today. You have an anointing. We have an anointing. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have the anointing of God that enables you to discern between the truth and a lie. And if we are all together and there are those who are antichrists in the church, we have got to realize there better be some divisions. So when we were out there on June 26, there were other churches who were supporting the gay lifestyle, saying that it is not sinful, Jesus supports you 100%, and it doesn't matter who you love, because love is love. Well, they also, those churches also do not believe the Bible. They do not believe the Bible is without error. They do not believe the Bible is wholly inspired by God. They believe the Bible is a collection of great stories that can give us moral lessons, but We've evolved spiritually so we know not everything in the Bible is correct because we know better now because love is love. Well, I just am stupid enough, I guess, to actually believe what the Bible says from beginning to end. And the same thing that was a sin in Leviticus is a sin in the Gospels, is a sin in Acts, is a sin all the way to the end. What was a sin 4,000 years ago is a sin today. Because God doesn't change and God's word doesn't change. And this is John's point. This is what Antichrist was doing. This is what these many Antichrists were doing. Going out saying, Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. Jesus and the Father are not one. They're not the same. You can live any way you want because the flesh doesn't matter. What you do in the flesh doesn't matter because only spirit matters. So sleep with who you want, live any way you want, it's okay. There were those that were teaching that in the church. And John calls them antichrist. So that day we were out there downtown, guess what? There were many antichrists out there. I want you to understand this. Because much of the church is literally today trying to figure out who the antichrist is. I mean, I've been saved since, I've committed my life to Jesus in 1984. And since 1984, I can't tell you how many people in world history and politics have been touted as the Antichrist. From the King of Spain to Henry Kissinger to Mikhail Gorbachev, who had the mark of the beast on his head. I mean, come on, people. Let's get serious here. Let's go back to the word of God. And while we're looking for the guy, guess what? The antichrist is all among us. Infiltrating our churches and deceiving us and our children. Infiltrating the very culture around us to the point that now there are Christians out there who don't know what to believe. And they are believing things based on their emotion and their feelings instead of the word of God. It was God that exposed these antichrists who were opposers of Christ and opposers of the truth. And John writes, they went out that they might be revealed as being antichrist and not of us. They were not of Christ and not of his true body. They were not regenerate. In other words, they were unregenerate. Now this is more than just a disagreement. Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement whether to take John Mark on the missionary journey. And they had such a disagreement that they parted ways. And Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark and they went their separate ways. Now Paul is not going to say that Barnabas was Antichrist because he went out from among them. No, this is not talking about a disagreement. Church splits unfortunately happen all too often. We're talking about people who are peddling false doctrine and lies. People can be in sin and separate and they need to repent of their sin and they need to reconcile. We see this in families. We see it in congregations. But what John is dealing with here among the flock of God is is actually dangerous doctrines of demons. These are the people who are opposing the doctrines of the apostles. These are antichrists teaching false doctrines, living false doctrines, calling good evil and evil good, opposing Christ either in word or deed or both. And this is what we see rampant today inside and outside the church. But it is certainly not new. John says you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Luke four eighteen, Jesus said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me." A verb, something has happened. I've been anointed. John says, "You have an anointing," a noun, something you have, something you possess, something. This is the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians one21 and twenty two. Now he who establishes uh, with uh, us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Who's anointed us? God has who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The anointing we have is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit Jesus poured out on his church. It's the Spirit Jesus said must come to you that will lead you and guide you into all truth and call to remembrance the very things that I have taught you. John says, I'm not writing because you don't know the truth. I'm writing because you know it. Why? How do they know the truth? He says, because you have an anointing from the Holy One. They have the truth in them by the Holy Spirit. No lie is of the truth. John writes this. I've written to you because you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you do it, and that no lie is of the truth. That's a very simple yet powerful statement. And in our day and time... Many, both inside and outside the church, paint the lie to make it appear as the truth. We paint it dripping with emotion to make people feel guilty. How can you deny love? Well, define love for me. Love is love. No. Define it biblically for me. God is love. And Jesus said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Do you see the difference? That's not hard. That's not mean. That's not unloving. That's actually very loving. What's unloving is when we allow people to believe that their lifestyle and their beliefs are rooted in true love, and it's actually a lie. And the Bible says it will lead you to destruction. And when we, because we're afraid to hurt someone's feelings because they might become offended with us, when we are so afraid of of our own selves getting canceled or offending the people that we love around us so we won't tell them the truth and we allow them to believe a lie and we convince ourselves it's okay, Or we say things like this. I've heard pastors say this. Well, we don't preach about things like that. We let the Holy Spirit deal with that. And my question would be, well, pastor, how is the Holy Spirit going to deal with that if you'll never preach the truth from your pulpit and tell them that's a lie? That the Bible never teaches love is love. The Bible teaches God is love. And the Bible says, actually, if we love people, we really love people, we'll tell them the truth. So my friend who's committing adultery on his wife, if I really love him, I'm going to tell him you're in sin. He might get mad at me and he might say, I'm not going to be your friend anymore if you talk to me like that. I'm going to say, sorry, I'd rather you be mad at me than you end up in hell. Because one day, if not sooner than later, you'll realize and you will perhaps wish someone would have told you the truth. But maybe all the Christians around you were too cowardly because they just didn't want to offend you. It doesn't matter what the sin is. God puts us in relationship with people, and we need to be willing. We need to love them enough to tell them the truth. We need to be a church a people, salt and light in the earth, that loves people enough to proclaim the truth, even if it hurts. Be a truth teller even if it hurts. We teach our kids that, but we don't live that ourselves. When we say, be a truth teller, even when it hurts, that means when we grow up and become adults, and we have the opportunity to tell people the truth, and we don't do it because we're afraid it might hurt, then we don't really love. And we're not really operating in the truth. The good news is we have an anointing. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word that will teach us. We must wash our minds with the water of the Word and plant the seed of God's Word in our hearts so that God can bring an increase. An increase through us. Verse 22, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Today, in many in the church who profess to know Christ deny Him. They profess Him with their lips, but they deny Him with their lives, with their lifestyles, with their doctrines that are promoted as truth to acknowledge the father and the son is not simply giving mental assent Do you understand what i mean by that you ask most people do you believe in god they're going to say yeah i believe in god when you start questioning them to to exactly explain who god is to them now that's where you're going to get all kinds of answers when it really should be simple do you believe in god yes i believe in god well, well who is god to you well God is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God and the only Savior, the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. If someone tells you that, then you know they got the right God. But there are a lot of people professing to believe in God and they have no clue who they're believing in. They're like the Greeks who had statues to every God imaginable and just to make sure they covered all their bases, they made one to the unknown God. Because they knew there had to be others out there that they didn't know about. So let's, let's just make a, a catch-all God. Paul goes and he says, that, that God, that unknown God that you got a statue to there, that's the guy I want to talk to you about. Because that's the one that you need to know about. To acknowledge the Father and the Son is to acknowledge them for who they are, as presented to us in the Scripture it's not just having mental assent. I believe in a God. I believe in a higher power. It's like going to AA. AA will tell you that doorknob could be your higher power if it will keep you from drinking. But I'm going to tell you what. That, that doorknob may keep you from drinking, but that doorknob is not going to keep you out of hell. And you better have a higher power than a doorknob. In fact, you better have the God of creation, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You better trust in Jesus. He is the God you need to know. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Because the Father and the Son are one. And God lives in us how? By the Holy Spirit. We can't have one and not have the other. If we acknowledge anything different than Jesus Christ, we are a liar, John says. We cannot acknowledge Jesus is the Christ without acknowledging the Father. To make it more plain, we cannot trust in Jesus for our life without trusting the Father who sent the Son to die and give us life. We cannot know Him who is the truth without the work of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to mold us and shape us and conform us to the truth, to the very image of Jesus Christ Himself. For the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. And as we trust in Jesus, we can have the assurance that they dwell in us. And that we are people of the truth. And we must be people that can recognize the truth from the lie. And be willing and courageous enough to speak the truth in love for those who are Entrapped by the lie. Amen. Well, let's get ready to come to the table. This table, this table of thanksgiving, Jesus described himself, declared himself to be the truth. Show us the way, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is who we celebrate each week we come to this table. So as you trust Jesus as the only Savior, the only name under heaven by which men may be saved, Christian, welcome to the table, welcome to Jesus. You have an anointing from the Holy One of God use it for god's glory walk in the truth fill your heart and your mind with god's word discern the times we are living in and discern the things that make for our peace and the healing of our land as well as the things that make for the destruction that we see all around us jesus is our only hope there are no political saviors There is not a policy or a politic that can save us and heal us. Only Jesus. And the key to our salvation and healing is from God. It's from God's people. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And turn from their wicked ways. Then God promises he will hear from heaven. And he will heal our land. Church we are the key. Stop being distracted by what appears to be good but is not God. His word and his spirit will show us the way. May we follow it faithfully just as Christ did. Amen.